The following is a ministry of City Life Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. We hope you find this teaching encouraging and instructive. Perhaps you are currently a follower of Christ or are perplexed, skeptical, or even antagonistic to Christianity. Regardless, we would love to hear from you. Please contact us at info at citylifetc.org. Thank you for listening, and please contact us if we can be of service to you. Peace be with you. Our scripture reading today comes from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things things hold together. And he is head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is the word of the Lord. I think I, uh, I, I know us well enough, because you're not any different than I am, to know that we all like to be inspired. It was an unforgettable moment for me, rather a mysterious moment, when uh, one evening after a discovery group session in someone's home a long time ago, the CEO of an electric company approached me and started to tap my chest with her finger and she said I want what you have and I said well what do you think I have and she said I'm not exactly sure but whatever makes you so passionate I want it we all want to be inspired. Nobody wants to go through life and be consistently bored. Nobody wants to go through life like the movie Groundhog Day, where you're caught in the mundane, the irrelevant stuff, day after day after day. We all want to be inspired. So, let's go to Colossians 1, 15 through 20, and let's get inspired. This passage that was just read was either a hymn or poem or a confession that the early church wrote for itself, um, sometime between the year 30 or, and 62 when Paul wrote the letter to the Colossians, or it is a confession of Christ that Paul composed himself. Either way, it's inspired, and it's inspiring. I think you can summarize this confession of Christ best 
with uh, what the phrase you see in verse 18, that in everything he might be preeminent. The word preeminent means to be first, to be the highest, to be the most supreme. And the word preeminent is paralleled, interestingly, by that word in verse 15, firstborn of all creation. Firstborn. Now, the meaning of firstborn is actually the opposite of what it appears to be. Firstborn here does not mean that he is the first in or of creation, the first created one. It can't mean that because you'll notice in verse 17 it says that he was before all things. So what the word firstborn actually is pointing to is that he is not the first in creation, but that he is the highest ranking over creation. It's kind of like Richard Sibbs, the great English preacher in the 17th century, in his sermon, A Description of Christ, said about Colossians 1, he said, He, that is Christ, is first, in all things, he has preeminence in all things, both before time, in time, and after time. The context of our passage, <clears throat> if I could do this for just a moment, is to take us back to verse 13 and what we learned last Sunday. That phrase, beloved son. Jesus is the beloved Son. The beloved Son of whom? Of the Father. His love and passion upon His Son. And the reason He does so is because He finds everything in the Son inspiring. So what that should tell us is that if we get inspired by the very thing that inspires God, of whom there is no higher, we will be inspired to the max. And that's what we're going to talk about for the rest of this sermon. Getting inspired to the maximum by the very thing that inspires God the Father. And it's Jesus Christ. The first thing that our text points to is that Jesus Christ is preeminently God. And that's why he is so inspiring. There are several verses in the Bible that explicitly say Jesus is God. This verse, Colossians 1.19, is one of them where it says, if you look carefully, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. The fullness of God. That means the completion, the totality of God dwells in the Son. <clears throat> now in classical Greek, 
The word fullness that we have here was used of a number of things, but in also used of the population of a city. So let's just imagine it this way. If the population of a city is 698,459, then the fullness of that population is 698,459. If on any given day in that city there are 698,458 people, then the fullness of the population is not there. Translate that into what Paul is writing here about Jesus Christ. What this means is this. If God's full divine glory consists of 698,459 divine characteristics, then all 698,459 divine characteristics are found in Jesus. The fullness of God is in him. Beloved, what that means is that Jesus Christ is inexhaustible for you because he is fully God. It means that Jesus Christ never needs anything. And he certainly never needs anything from us. But, in his fullness, he desires to give us all that we need. Some of you are at a very difficult point in your life. And you need wisdom in order to know how to move forward. Colossians chapter 2, verse 3. Look at this. It says, In whom, in Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You need wisdom? You turn to the preeminent Christ, in whom all wisdom resides. You've never been loved unconditionally, You need love to fall on you like a waterfall. Turn to Christ. Because of him we can say that river never runs dry. He is always ready to pour out the fullness of his love on us. If we get inspired by what inspires God of whom there is no higher, we will be inspired to the max with Jesus Christ because he is preeminently God. The second thing that our text tells us is that he is preeminently the image of God. Verse 15. I'm going to let you just take that and chew on it, maybe in your life groups this week, because I'm going to move on to the third of the five things that make him preeminent, according to this text. He is thirdly, the preeminently God, the Creator. And you'll see that in verse 16. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, 
whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. All things were created by him. He is the author of creation. When Genesis 1 verse 1 says, in the beginning God created, it is referring to Jesus Christ himself, the author of creation. Now you notice that here it says that um, he who is in the bosom of the Father, it is by him that all things were created, so that he is also the agent of creation. Which means that when God spoke, let there be light, it was Christ the spoken word of the Father that is the agent by which light came into existence. When the Father said, let there be animals, it was through that spoken word of the Father, which is the Son, that the animals came into being. He is the agent of creation. And Paul is very explicit to say of the visible things. So he is the one, Jesus, who placed the stars into the sky. He is the one who plopped the dolphins into the ocean. He is the one who fashioned every kind of flower. He is the one who formed man. And then he spent, I think, extra time informing the beauty of woman. He is the one who is the agent of all visible things. But Paul says also the invisible things. He's the agent of their creation as well. Like the soul. Jesus created your soul. Jesus created masculinity. Jesus created femininity. Jesus created the laws of nature. We need to understand that the, what we call the laws of nature are not something independent of themselves. They are driven by, they are overseen by the one who created them. Things happen in a rhythm. Things happen in a certain way. We say by the laws of nature, by the creator of the laws of nature, who is Jesus Christ. And then Paul says, even most specifically, <clears throat> is he the creator of the invisible spirit world? Commentators are uh, unanimous pretty much on this reference to thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities being to different rankings within the spirit world. The reason why Paul would put it like this is because the false teaching was beginning to press in on the Colossian believers. The false teaching that God, he created 
the spirit world with all of its rankings. And somewhere in that spirit world is Jesus. But Paul is being here very, very clear. Our adoration does not go to angels. Our adoration does not go to any high beings of whom we hope to receive some blessing. Our adoration goes to the one who is above all of rankings of the angel and spirit world. Our adoration goes to Jesus Christ in whom is the preeminence over all things. But you notice in verse 16, he is not only the author of creation, he is not only the agent of creation, he is the goal of creation. Paul ends this verse by saying, and for him. Literally, we could translate it, Late that and unto him. One of the things that I enjoy doing, especially as I get older, is tracing the lives of rock stars that I used to listen to all the time and still listen to all the time. One person who has particularly interested me and actually inspired me is Carrie Livgren. Now, most of you know Carrie Livgren. You just don't know that you know Carrie Livgren. He is the uh, big composer of the great songs that Kansas used to play, like Dust in the Wind. In fact, Carrie Livgren is very clear. I've heard him recently about the fact that all of the albums that Kansas came out with had to do with his spiritual search for truth. Dust in the wind. All we are is dust in the wind. So, carry on, my wayward son, because there's nothing else to do. We're just all dust in the wind. If you Google for Kerry Livgren and find his testimony, you will hear him say that the end of his search happened one morning around 3 a.m. in the year 1980 when he knelt at his hotel bed and received Jesus Christ as the supreme one into his life. And that radically changed everything, including changing the band Kansas. In fact, Livgren changed the band Kansas into a band he called A.D. And they wrote a song, he wrote a song around 1985 where the guy who'd said, all we are is dust in the wind, now composes a song in which, and you should Google this because it is an amazing tune of triumph. It breaks into this chorus all creation sings. Hail the King of Kings. All creation sings to the glory of your name. 
And Carrie Livgren, the rock star of Kansas, has been taken up into the inspiration that the Supreme One, Jesus Christ, is and gives to those who will be taken up into Him. You can Google it, A.D., all creation sings, and listen to it, but wait till my sermon's over. And so all creation does sing, and that's the point that Paul is making here, that he created all things unto himself, to his own glory. So he created the stars in the sky to sparkle for him. He created the the dolphins to jump in the ocean for him. He created the snowy mountain peaks to glisten for him. He created the little flower blossoms to bloom for him. He created the bee to suck the nectar for him. He created orchestras and bands to play melodies unto the creator of music. He created the husband and wife to enjoy euphoric love unto him. He, in fact, he created the soccer player to dribble with brilliant footwork unto him. He even, men, you'll love this, he even created the steak to grill, to sizzle on the grill for him. He created family and friends to enjoy the sumptuous meal for him. If you don't believe it, if you think I'm making it up, check out 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all to his glory. Why? Because he created it all so that we could be inspired by him to enjoy him forever. He even has made it clear that he is the supreme one when it comes to the way we parent our children. We are a crisis, and we are a culture in deep, deep crisis. And, you know, when it comes to parenting, you, there are different ways, especially two different ways, that people say we can parent our children. There's the child-centered way. That's the way that our culture is pushing us to do now. That's where we let the child develop the way the child wants to develop. We let the child say what the child wants to say. We let the child become what the child wants to become. The other way of parenting is not child-centered parenting, but parent-centered parenting. That's where the child is taught to do what pleases the parent. That's You know, when we say, don't you do that again or I'll get angry. Or stop that, you're irritating me right now. And we we train up a child according to what pleases the parent. Might I suggest that both are wrong methods of parenting. If Jesus Christ is supreme over everything, including the family, then Christ-centered parenting is the right approach so that we parents are asking the question not how will this child stop irritating me or how do I let this child develop into whatever he wants to be, but how do I teach 
my child to do all things as unto him. How do I discipline my child so he will learn the joys of doing all things as unto him? How will I model as a parent to my children what it means to live every moment of my life and to do everything, including the way I eat that steak and enjoy it, as unto Him? Christ-centered parenting. Maybe some of us need to start changing our approach because when it comes to the home, it isn't the parent that is supreme. It is the parent that's the authority but it is Christ that is supreme. And all things are created, even our children, for Him as unto Him. And so that's why we can say all things exist and all things function because He created all things to function unto Him. And so Paul says in Romans 11.36, for it is from Him and through Him and to Him that are all things. To Him alone be the glory. You want to be inspired in life? Well, if we get inspired by what inspires God, of whom there is no higher, we will be inspired to the max by Jesus Christ. Fourthly, he is preeminently the head of the church. Verse 18, I'm going to let you chew on that by yourself as well or in your life group. There's a lot in there. And I'm going to move on to the fifth and final thing that according to this confession of faith in Christ here makes him preeminent overall. He is preeminently the reconciler of all things. In verse 17, it says, in Him all things hold together. You want unity? You want harmony? He's the one who holds all things together. Now as soon as Paul says holds together, it presupposes that all things have fallen apart that all things somehow became broken. I'm talking about the fall. The fall is that moment of disobedience in, through which sin entered the world. Some of you are here today and you're wondering, why is this a culture of crisis? Why are things in so much chaos? Why are things going out of control? It's because sin runs like highly explosive methyl nitrate under the surface of everything. And when a match is lit, a match of sinful thoughts or sinful words or sinful deeds, it creates a deathly explosion. And so relationships rupture. And families divide. And people go to war. It's all because of the fall. It's all because we've become so fragmented, 
so ruined, so divided by the fall. But you know that event of the fall looks forward to another great event, and that is the event of redemption. And it is stated here in verse 14, in whom we have redemption. Redemption is that, that work of Christ on the cross that according to, look at verse 20, reconciles and makes peace by the blood of his cross. I want you to just note on your paper or in, in the margin of your Bible that those words reconciled sorry I just lost my place that the word yes reconcile and the word making peace are both in a Greek tense that suggests that it's once and done and over with and accomplished and it's referring specifically to the fact that Christ reconciled all things by stepping into the fellowship with our humanity through his life and incarnation and then stepping into our sin on the cross where he shed his blood. And now it is through that work on the cross, through the shedding of his blood, that in fact man is reconciled to God. And this takes us back to the verses 13 and 14 from last week. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. If the first thing that the preeminence of Jesus should do for you who do not yet know Him personally is you should turn to Him for redemption, for being reconciled to God the Father. It can happen in this very moment as you take hold of the Supreme Christ. Thank Him for His work of redemption for you. Seek His forgiveness of your sins and commit your life to follow Him forever. Because by His work on the cross, the Supreme One, has in fact secured reconciliation between man and God. Secondly, his blood reconciles man to man. His blood flows like from the cross into the brokenness between races where black and white and brown look at each other and instead of feeling hatred or prejudice, they start feeling love and respect and, and wonderment at how beautiful the other person actually is in their diversity. And we, we, be, we start serving one another instead of declaring war on one another. That blood, it seeps into the brokenness of relationships and we start to forgive the other. We start to reconcile with people. It seeps into the brokenness of our families. As I was preparing this, I, I thought of the verse in Malachi 4, 6, that when Christ starts to do 
the work of awakening in a person's life. It says the hearts of the fathers turn to their children and the hearts of their children to the fathers. And there is a coming together in love and respect within the families where there was such deep division and hatred. And finally, the fall looks to that event of the redemption and then that looks forward to the event of complete restoration because thirdly, his blood reconciles all fallen creation into a new heaven and a new earth. So that when Jesus Christ returns in his second coming, all creation will in fact be restored to its pristine beauty and all will be well and all will be unified and all will be enjoyed to the maximum in this restored existence of the new heaven and the new earth. So, what I've sought to say to you today is that you want to be inspired? Then let's be inspired by what inspires God of whom there is no higher. And we will be inspired to the maximum by Jesus the Christ. What should that do to us? I just want to leave this one point of application with you. You know what it should do to us? It should make us all into worshipers of Jesus. We come into worship services to worship Him. In just a moment, we're going to sing one of the most moving songs that I've ever heard about Jesus, where we sing, He is worthy. When you get taken up into the supremacy of His worthiness, if you feel like sitting down, standing up, raising your hands, getting on your knees, even lying on the floor before him and his worthiness, you are free to do that because he is the supreme one and it is before him that we show how inspired we are by who he is. But not only do we worship him on Sundays in our worship service, we worship him every day. We are worshipers of Jesus every moment of every day. We are walking doxologies. And so, between classes, while cleaning up the kitchen, on your way to work, sitting still in traffic, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, may you be inspired by the preeminence of the sun. And someday, somebody is going to tap you on your chest and say, I want what you have. Lord Jesus, we bow before you, the great and awesome God, the image of God, by whom we know what God is like the creator of all things and the one to whom we give glory for everything and everything that we may enjoy, the head of the church 
and the restorer of all that has gone wrong into absolute completion and perfection. It is to you that we come and recommit our lives to say, Lord Jesus, teach us to live in your supremacy and to enjoy your preeminence. And let us be inspired by you for the rest of our lives and all eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a ministry of City Life Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. We hope you were encouraged by this teaching. Thank you for listening, and please contact us at info at citylifetc.org if we can be of service to you. Peace be with you.